Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. Well, as always, it is an honor and a privilege to gather together with my Renovation Church family, no matter how we get to do that. Normally in our church services, we do a little nod to those who are joining us online, but today that's virtually everybody that's joining us online. So we want to welcome you to Church at Home. What an incredible privilege we have to gather together all over St. Joe in Kansas City and wherever you might be tuning in from to come together and to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as a church, we've been saying for a few years that our goal and desire was to go out and to plant other campuses and to go plant other churches. And right now, today, what's really exciting about where we are is we are now one church meeting in about 700 locations all across the area. So we're grateful that you are tuning in today with your family or friends or or neighbors or even just yourself as we worship together today. You might think that it's a cheesy saying, but it's sure applicable now. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And while I'm no expert on COVID-19 or the coronavirus or whatever you want to call it, and I can't tell you how long I think it will last or the effects that I believe that it will have on our culture and economy and world, what I do know and trust is that God is still in control. God is still on the throne. God is still good, even when the world is not. There's a lot of people right now, it's amazing when something like this happens, everybody on Facebook and social media tends to be experts on what's going on. And there's a lot of people that have opinions about this that are swinging to both sides of the pendulum for being, this is, the world is going to end or this is no big deal. There are people who are laughing this often what's happening. They're the ones that are posting videos of licking doorknobs and other stupid things online and just, this is not a huge deal to them. And, and then there's people that are all the way on the other side of the spectrum that are going out and they're buying 150 or 200 rolls of toilet paper and 18,000 bottles of Germex because they just think that this is it, that the world is ending. And it's because we are facing a lot of unknowns. Uh, My generation has never faced anything like this before. We're facing a pandemic and we don't know what to do. We don't know what's going to happen. But what we do know is that this is not too big for God. This will not be the end of the church. This will not defeat God's people. In fact, this obstacle is just an opportunity for the church of God and the people of God to find some urgency in our mission to help people all across our world come to know God and find freedom and to discover purpose and to go out and to change the world. All throughout history, when the church has faced trouble and difficulty and persecution, the church has always grown stronger as a result of that pressure. For the last 2,000 years, different people have tried to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth, yet the church has always persevered through trial. Now, I'm not saying that what we're facing right now is persecution, but we are facing difficulties. 
In trials like this, they can't always be avoided, but they can always provide an opportunity. James chapter 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. What James is saying is that we are better under pressure. And I know that's true for me. When I was in high school and college, I didn't do homework ever. I was actually, I was just a really good test taker. In college, I would be the one to get an assignment at the beginning of the semester of a 20-page essay paper that had to be due by the end, by finals. And I didn't do it all semester long. I would wait until the night before, drink a lot, a lot, a lot of coffee. And I would just spend 15 hours and I would just pound this thing out and turn it in. And I would normally get an A. My wife, Chelsea, she hates me for that. She, she does not have that ability but I'm better under pressure. When I face pressure, it brings the fighter out in me. And the church is the same. When the church is facing pressure like it has before and like it is today, it has the opportunity to rise up. And that's what's going to happen during the season, however long it might last. The church of Jesus Christ will prevail. What the enemy means for evil, God will use for good. And I believe in faith that God will not just maintain his church during this time, but I actually think we're going to come out of this and God will strengthen his church and his people during this season. This morning, I want to spend some time in Habakkuk chapter 3. Now, let me fill you in a little bit. Let me give you some background context on what is happening in this little book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk's name means to wrestle and to embrace. And you're going to see why that's the case as we work throughout this message this morning. Habakkuk was a prophet in the Old Testament that lived about 600 BC. He lived and he ministered and he prophesied 600 years before the birth of Christ. And his story is very different than most prophets that we read about in the Old Testament. See, a prophet's main job was to speak to God's people on behalf of God. But Habakkuk spoke to God on behalf of God's people. In fact, you might not have read this, this little book. It's only three chapters. But we can really relate to Habakkuk and how he felt and what he was going through and some things that he said to God. Because this book, in his letter, in this conversation that he's having, he is, he's really raw and unfiltered. and He's full of emotion and, and passion. And if you read through chapters one and two, which I hope you'll do from home this morning, Habakkuk is spending those chapters and he's questioning God on why he's allowing some things to happen. See, the Babylonians are coming to war against Judah. And the Babylonians are like the arch rivals of the people of Judah, God's people. And God is allowing this to happen. God isn't stopping this war. God isn't wiping them off the face of the earth. He's allowing these things to unfold. And Habakkuk is watching all this. And there are some things that he just does not understand. He's hurt. He's confused. He, he, he's lost and he's feeling hopeless. So throughout this conversation, there's two questions that Habakkuk keeps on asking God. Where are you and why are you doing this? Where are you and why are you allowing this? Why aren't you stopping this? Can you understand now why I said that you can probably relate to Habakkuk? Because a lot of us feel now like he was feeling then. 
maybe right now you are feeling lost. Maybe right now, as you look at this world and what's happening, you are feeling very confused. You're hopeless. You're desperate. You feel broken. And you're wondering, God, where are you in all of this? God, why are you doing this? God, why are you allowing this to happen? If you are so good, then why are you allowing such bad things to happen? This is essentially what Habakkuk was wondering and questioning God about. And all of this comes to a head in chapter three. And here's how Habakkuk chapter three begins in verse one. It says, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Now, two weird things here. Number one, who sings a prayer? I mean, we know how to sing a song, but I've never really sung a prayer. And the second is who sings, like Habakkuk is getting ready to sing, during a trial like he's facing. An enemy is coming to war against them. The armies are coming, and he decides now is a good time to stop and to pray and to sing my prayer. Now, the word sung that is used here is the word sigayanth. And that word means to sing wildly and with passion. That word is a musical term describing how to sing a song. So Habakkuk right here in verse 1, he is choosing to passionately sing what he is feeling in this last chapter. Now, Habakkuk is still facing a trial. The Babylonians are still coming. Nothing has changed about what is getting ready to happen. But Habakkuk has made a very important decision to worship despite the war. And what that means for us today is that we can still worship regardless of what we're facing. Because even though our circumstances have changed, what is going on in our world has changed. The way you and I are doing our life has drastically changed. God has not and God will not ever change. But we are not worshiping God because of what is happening. We are worshiping God because of who he is. And I think now more than ever, we need to learn to worship the way Habakkuk worshiped wildly and filled with passion because worship forces us to fix our eyes on Jesus. So we are singing and praising passionately and wildly because God is still good and God is still on his throne and God is still sovereign and present in our lives regardless of the storm that we're facing. Uh, Craig Rochelle said something that I think is really applicable as we are facing what we're facing now. He said, don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And that's so true. Because God is still with us right now as much as he ever has been. Habakkuk is praying and he's singing wildly and with passion despite his circumstances. There's a couple of things that Habakkuk does in the rest of this chapter that we can still do today. And the first is this. We have to remember what God has done. We have to remember what God has done. This is so applicable today. Because if you're facing a trial, and all of us currently are, then the best way to remember what God can do is by remembering what God has done. We tend to be very short-minded when it comes to remembering that the same God who has come through before is the same God who can come through again. We need to spend more time remembering what God has done before. That's what Habakkuk does. 
Here's what he goes on to say in chapter three, verse two. He says, I've heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. And for the next 13 chapters, Habakkuk is remembering story after story after story of all of these great moments in history when God has come through for his people. These stories that have been passed on from generation to generation to generation. He remembers what God has done before because it gives him faith about what God can do again. He remembers that God is the one who delivered his people out of Egypt. He remembers that God is the one who led his people through the wilderness at night by a pillar of fire. He remembers that God is the one who parted the sea so that they could pass through on dry land. He remembers that God is the one who defeated the enemies and brought his people into the promised land. He remembered what God has done because it reminded him of what God could still do. So what are we to do today when we are facing something that we have never had to face before? How are we supposed to sing? How are we supposed to praise? How are we supposed to trust and walk by faith and pray? How can we do this? By simply remembering what God has done. We remember that the same God that Habakkuk trusted is the same God that we still trust now. The same God who delivered his people out of Egypt is the same God who still leads us today. The same God who parted the sea is still the same God who works miracles together in our lives today. There's a great song that we sing in, in the church, and, and it's particularly fitting at a time like this. Then it says, You split the sea so I could walk right through it. And my fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing that I am a child of God. God is still in the business of moving mountains and parting seas. God has not lost any of his power. He has not lost any of his interest in the world. And he has not lost any of his interest in you. He has moved before and he is going to move again. In fact, I believe that God is moving right now. God is getting ready to do something great. So whatever it is you're facing, whether it's this virus or, or fear or finances or loss or cancer or divorce or, or brokenness, the same God who was there at the very beginning of the world and the same God who was with Habakkuk is the same God who is still with you. The God of the past is still the God of the present. God's people just need to remember what God has done. You need to spend more time remembering what God has done before for you. Isaiah 46 verse 9 says, Remember the things that I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. A couple of weeks ago in church, I preached a message on having a positive mindset and a positive attitude despite some of the hardships that we might face. And I used Jesus and the Apostle Paul as an example. And in that message, I said that our mentality towards trials should be, I wouldn't choose this, but I will choose joy. Now, I wouldn't choose this, but I will choose joy. And, and that's true more now 
than it ever has been because what we're facing, all of us can definitely say that I wouldn't choose this. Nobody would choose to go through something like we're all facing today, that the entire world is facing today with this virus, with this pandemic. I I will never say that I would choose this, but you know what I can choose? I can choose joy despite the hardship. For the past six years, we've seen the power of God move in and through this church. We have seen miracles. We have seen relationships restored. We have seen addiction broken. And above all, we have seen the power of God to step into people's lives and to save souls. And we truly believe that the best is yet to come. The best is still to come. What's happening now has no effect on God's power. See, the church building might be closed on Sunday, but the church has not, is not, and will not ever be a building. The church is God's people. We are the church and we will continue to do the mission that God has called us to do with more urgency now than we have ever had before. Remembering what God has done will help us remember what God will do and can do and even is doing right now. But there's something even more important we can remember than what God has done. We have to remember who God is. We have to remember who God is. You can always be trusting what God is doing when you remember who he is. Here's what Habakkuk would go on to say in verse 16. He said, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, it's bad. It's going to get worse. And I don't know how or when this trial and this season will end. But then he says something that I think needs to be the theme of the church and of God's people today. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 17. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. I love Habakkuk's faith and trust here. Essentially, what he's saying is even though I don't like what's happening, and even though I don't understand what's happening, and even though I know God could do something to stop what's happening, I will remember and I will trust who God is and what he is doing. Even though things are not going the way that I thought they would go, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. We can still say this today. Even though my cancer has returned and my future looks bleak, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though I don't know what tomorrow will bring, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though I didn't get the dream job, the blessing that I was wanting, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though we've been trying to conceive for years with no success, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
even though the Lord hasn't provided the miracle that I've been desperately praying for for my entire life, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though my business might not survive what's happening right now and my financial future is in ruins, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though we've lost our child before we were able to hold her, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though I don't understand what the Lord is doing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful to the God of my salvation because the sovereign Lord is my strength. Even though nothing has changed to me physically, something has changed within me spiritually. Listen, God might not change what is happening to you, but he can change what is happening in you. This isn't some sort of denial over what's happening right now. It's just believing that God is greater than what is happening in this world and in your life right now. What we're talking about here, this is wild, passionate worship of who God is. We cannot, at a time like this, half-heartedly and partially declare who God is. See, I don't know what God is doing, but I know who God is. And because of that, I can lift my hands in worship because he is as worthy now as he ever has been. Whether we are on top of the mountain or whether we are in the bottom of a valley. You know, the only reason a mountain is a mountain is because of the presence of a valley. And listen, I know we don't like the valley. Nobody, nobody likes the valley. But the valley is where we learn to trust God. The valley is, is where faith is able to be increased and strengthened. The valley is where we find hope, not in ourselves, not in what we can do, not in our own strengths or abilities. The valley is where we find our strength and our hope and our trust in God. Now, I'll, I'll finish by giving you an example from my own life. For those of you who have, have turned in, tuned in for the first time uh, and don't know me, uh, my wife and I, Chelsea, she, uh, we started this church almost six years ago. And during that time, when we were starting this church, we didn't have a place to live. And so a friend of mine uh, graciously offered a, a place where we could stay temporarily. And it was a, a little single wide trailer about 30 minutes outside of town. And, and he said, you and your wife and your two little girls can stay here until you get on your feet. Well, during the first few months of, before there was a renovation church, we were just doing a Bible study at this time. And during those first three months, we had burned through all of our checking and all of our savings and, and we didn't have health insurance. I was working at a restaurant during that time, during uh, the lunch shift to try to, to make ends meet and to provide for my family. We, we just didn't have a lot during that time. And, and there are days that I would drive in to work in a van that I had to borrow from my parents. And I would go to work and I'd work a lunch shift and I'd make $20. And I remember going home during that time and, and my wife saying, well, how, how'd you do today? And I said, well, I, I made 20 bucks. And I mean, essentially that's enough to pay for gas to, to go in tomorrow and to try to, to do the same thing. So during this time, we started started selling a lot of what we had just so we could try to, to make ends meet. And, and after a few months of this, we really didn't have anything. And there was a moment that 
will forever change my life. And we had sold a lot of things to pursue this dream of church planting, which, to be honest, looked and felt a lot more like a nightmare. But I remember that things got so bad that a few months in, I remember we had a trash can. Now, this is just your typical black plastic trash can. We had like a Cadillac trash can. It was like metal with a lid, and it was super nice and and everything. But one day in particular, things were so bad that my wife came to me, and she said, hey, we don't have any food. We don't have any groceries. I think I can sell our trash can and get $30. And I know that's not much, but, you know, it'll it'll get us through, through the next few days. And let me tell you that when you're having to sell your trash can so that you can buy food to put on the table for your kids, that's, that's a low moment. That's a moment where hope and faith are, are on a razor thin wire. And, and as crazy as it sounds, we sold that trash can and they came and picked it up and, and I watched them take my trash can and put it in their car and drive away. And that was about as low in the valley as I've ever been in my life. But let me tell you, as hard as that was, as long as that valley was, as difficult as that valley was, I would never trade that season in the valley because God used that season in the valley to prepare us for the great work that he was calling us to. C.S. Lewis once said that hardships prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. So what are we going to do? What are you going to do? We're going to remember what God has done. But more importantly, we are going to remember who God is. There is no storm. There is no trial. There's no circumstance. There's nothing in life that the enemy can throw at you that God is not right there with you. Would you pray with me? Father, what we are facing right now is, God, this is not a surprise to you. I know that in the midst of this this pandemic, God, I know that there are many watching who who are facing still other trials in their life, such as sickness and and brokenness, and and perhaps they are feeling hopeless and, and worthless. So God, would you help us to remember who you are? God, you are our peace. You are our hope. You are our Father. You care for us and you love us. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for the valley because the valley provides us with an opportunity to know you and to trust you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. If you enjoyed today's message, then we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.